Exodus chapter 28. Exodus chapter 28. We're going to be looking at uh, several chunks of verses in this uh, chapter that talks about uh, Aaron, the high priesthood of Aaron, and some of the garments that were to be made for his ministry. So Exodus chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 1. Exodus Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. You shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with my spirit, of skill, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checker work, a turban, and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother and his sons to serve me as priests. And we're going to go down to verse 15. You shall make a breastpiece of judgment in skilled work. In the style of the ephod you shall make it, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine twisted linen shall you make it. It shall be square and double a span, a span its length and a span its breadth. You shall set in it four rows of stones. A row of sardis, topaz, and carbuncle shall be the first row. And the second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold filigree. There shall be twelve stones with their names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They shall be like signets, each engraved with its name for the twelve tribes." We're going to jump over to verse 29. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before the Lord. And in the breastpiece of judgment you shall put the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. Thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before the Lord regularly. Let's pray. Lord God, you are good and wise. Lord, you give us so many things to illustrate, to show us Christ and his work. That we might see it touch it, taste it, smell it, and believe in Christ and cling to him. Lord, we ask for for grace this evening to, to see Christ. Lord, we want to see Christ in this, in Aaron, in the priesthood of Aaron, and not just how this foreshadows Christ, but how Christ even surpasses Aaron and, and this priesthood. Lord, give us eyes to see. Give us faith to believe and cling to Christ. 
and see how glorious he is. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage in Exodus chapter 28, uh, we see the, the calling of Aaron and his sons to serve in the office of high priest, and then a description of the various garments that they were to make for Aaron to wear when he acts in this holy office. Uh, But I want us to look at this passage with the lens of the gospel, understanding that, of course, the high priesthood of Aaron is simply a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we come to that passage with that understanding we can actually learn a lot about the person of Christ and the work of Christ, his priestly work for us. So first of all, I want to start with a very basic question. What is a high priest or a priest and why do we need one? And to a simple explanation of that is actually found in Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to be jumping over to the book of Hebrews quite a bit. Uh, So you can kind of keep your finger in Exodus, and we'll uh, jump back and forth to the book of Hebrews. But we'll start in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1, which tells us, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. So a high priest is a person chosen by God to act on behalf of men, a mediator, right? to act in our relationship to God and specifically to offer gifts and sacrifices uh, for sin. Uh, so a high priest is, is a mediator. We often think of Jesus as a, we just use the general term, as a savior, But as a Savior, Jesus acts as our mediator. And as our mediator, he has three offices, right? The prophet, the priest, and the king. So we want to focus in on that priestly office of Jesus. What does it mean for Jesus to be our priest? Well, priests, again, were appointed to approach God on behalf of God and to offer sacrifices. The high priest was to represent the people to God, acting on their behalf, offering atoning sacrifices, offering gifts of worship to God. The high priest also interceded to God on behalf of the people. But why do we need a high priest? Well, simply put, sinful man cannot approach a holy God in his sin. This is, we, we must understand this. One of the greatest and most dangerous lies is that man is basically good. But that is what, our, not only our culture, but in history, that is the default thinking of fallen sinful man. We're not that bad. Right? We're, we're basically good. Yes, oh yes, we acknowledge that we, we mess up. We, we err, we commit moral lapses, as we like to say nowadays. But yet, we think that these things are an exception to the rule, right? They're, they're acts on the fringes of who we are, on the outskirts of who we are. But, but not, sin is not what defines us, we would say. 
But the Bible shows us that sin comes from within. Let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15. Turn over to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 18. Jesus says, But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. You see, again, Jesus is explaining that these Old Testament laws of clean and unclean, of ceremonially clean foods or unclean foods, God gave the Israelites that to teach them something. Not that you can't eat bacon, but what is actually, what it, where uncleanness comes from is actually our heart coming from within. The heart is the fountain, the spring of who we are. The the source of the water, the spring. The heart is that in us. And Jesus is saying, what your problem is, is not that you're unclean on the outside. Not that there's a little bit of uncleanness here or there. Jesus is saying the very spring of who you are is sinful. It's defiled. So everything that comes out then is defiled. So so here is our problem. We are sinful people. Everything that comes out of us is sin, is defiling, is corrupt. We have a bad heart. We have a corrupted nature. And so then in this condition, in that condition... We are under the wrath of God. We can't come into God's presence. See, that's what all of these Old Testament stories, as you're reading through the Old Testament, that's what these things are teaching us. These stories that shock us. Uzziah touched the ark and fell over dead. Oh my gosh, why did that happen? Well, you see, he was a sinful man. He came in contact with a holy God and he died. God's wrath was poured out on his sin. Sinful man cannot approach a holy God. We need someone to go for us. We need someone to approach God on our behalf. To make atonement for our sins so that we can come into the presence of God. We need a mediator. A person who can make atonement a payment for our sins, to receive the punishment our sin deserves in our place, to satisfy God's justice and His wrath against our sins. We need someone to offer a sacrifice acceptable to God and reconcile us to God. God illustrates this truth for us in the Old Testament priesthood of Aaron and his sons. So again, yes, what we've just said sounds very severe. We're sinful. We can't come into the presence of a holy God. But look, this holy God provides a priest for us. Provides 
someone to be a mediator for us. But the ultimate fulfillment of this priesthood of Aaron is found in Jesus Christ. The high priesthood of Aaron and his sons was merely a type and a shadow pointing us to the true and eternal high priest, which is Jesus Christ. So I want us to compare and contrast this passage of the, with Aaron, the priesthood of Aaron, with the priesthood of the Lord Jesus. And I hope to show you how this Old Testament passage gives us a better understanding of Christ's person and his priestly work for us. So jump back to Exodus chapter 28. And the first thing we see uh, in verse 1 is God calling this priest, right? The high priest must be chosen and called by God. Verse 1 says, God is speaking to Moses. Then bring near to you Aaron your brother and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. God calls, chooses, and calls Aaron to be this high priest. Uh, Also, we see this in Hebrews chapter 5, what we just read. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1. Every high priest is chosen from, from among men and is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. And we see in verse Hebrews chapter 5, verse 4, No one takes this honor for himself, but only by God, just as Aaron was. All right, the, the high priesthood was not a voluntary position. All right, the Israelites did not hold an election uh, for, for high priests, right? Who wants to run for high priests? You know, every four years we'll elect a new high priest. No, it didn't work that way. Uh, Aaron did not get the job because he was Moses' brother, right? Oh, well, yeah, Moses picked Aaron. That's his brother. No, God chose Aaron. Uh, no one imposes himself upon God to be priests. Aaron was chosen and called by God. The priest is not someone who puts himself forward. And this is made clear in Numbers chapter 16. Turn over, if you will, to Numbers chapter 16. Again, here's one of these stories of the Old Testament that often shocks us. Um, I'm going to just summarize what happens here. But in Numbers chapter 16, uh, we have one of the priestly families the Kohathites, or Levite families, I'm sorry, the Kohathites. You have this man named Korah and a whole group of his clan. And they, they challenge Moses and Aaron. We want to be priests, right? Why do, why do you get to do this? Why do you get to be high priest and have all these privileges and have these fancy clothes and get to go into the Holy of Holies? We're holy like you are. We're just as holy as you are. We want to be priests too. So there's kind of this showdown between the Korah and his group and Levi. And so Moses says, okay, we'll, we'll test this. Everybody, all you guys, grab your censer where you offer incense. 
you know, put some incense, fire and incense on these censers, and we'll see. We'll let God decide who is priest, who can approach him, and who cannot. And so the next day, they show up with their censers, and they put fire and incense on their censers, and they're standing there, and you probably know the story. The men are, the fire of God comes out and burns up 250 men. And there's Levi in the other corner, and he's fine. Right? God, God shows. And again, what, what's the point of this? The point is sinful men do not approach a holy God except through the mediator that he has chosen and picked. Right? Again, here's a, here, I'm sure Korah, there, he's not that different from us. I, I'm a good person, right, Korah? I'm a good Israel. I'm a Jew. I'm an Israelite. I'm a good person. I'm following the law. And so it's, it's as if Korah and his group are there offering their good works, offering what they think is their goodness to God. I don't, I don't have to go through this high priest. I don't have to go through Aaron. I'm going to go straight to God. And then we find out what happens. They died. They were burned up in fire. And so if, if you think, I can, I'm a good person. I can approach God in my goodness. I can approach God because I'm a good neighbor. Because I'm a decent human being. I can just walk right into the presence of God. I'm sure God will understand. I've done my best in this life. I'm sure He'll understand. Look at what happened to Korah. No. No. We, in our sin, we cannot approach a holy God. I beg you to, to understand this, to hear this. Because all around, all around, you're, you're hearing this message. You're, you're a good person. You're a fine person. God is nice. God will just accept us the way that we are. But then we look at Scripture and we see when people presumed, when sinners presumed to approach a holy God, it did not end well. We must Go to God through the means that He has provided, through the priest that He has provided. To approach God uninvited, to act as our own mediator is disastrous. The only one who can approach God representing His people and offering sacrifices acceptable to God is the priest who is chosen and called by God Himself. And so we see that Jesus was also called by God to be our high priest. And again, we see this going back to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. So also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. All right, this, 
person talking is God the Father through these scriptures, right? He's, he's quoting Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, and Psalm 110, verse 4. Jesus did not exalt himself to this position of high priest. It wasn't his own idea or initiative, but it was the eternal decree and calling of God the Father who made Jesus our high priest. And we see this revealed in the Old Testament scriptures and then explained and made clear in the New Testament scriptures. Here the author of Hebrews quotes, as we said, Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, and Psalm 110, verse 4. God the Father chose and called his Son, Jesus Christ, from before the world began to be the mediator of the covenant of grace and to bring a group of sinners to salvation by becoming their priest, becoming their high priest. So this high priest must be chosen and called by God. Secondly, going back over to Exodus 28. In verse 2, Exodus chapter 28, verse 2. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. Now this was the phrase that really stuck out to me when, when I was reading over this. For garments for glory and for beauty. So these beautiful, ornate garments and priestly ornaments were to be made for Aaron and his sons to put on as they went in to, to do their priestly services. And it's right, right? God is glorious. God is beautiful. It's right that the priests who represents us and who goes into God's presence should be glorious and beautiful, should reflect that, that glory and beauty. Now turn over to Psalm 96. Psalm 96, verse 7 through 9. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. There's just a small picture of the glory of God and, and his beauty. But in verse 9, what is that beauty? That beauty is holiness, right? Perfection, moral purity. That's the beauty. Part of the beauty of God is holiness. And so these, these priests were to reflect that. They were to reflect beauty, glory, and holiness. But whereas Aaron and his sons had to put on, they had to add to themselves something in order to reflect that glory and beauty, didn't they? They had, to, they had to put on beautiful garments. They had to put on things of gold and jewels. But whereas Aaron and his sons had to add, put on something to make up for their lack of glory and beauty, Jesus Christ is 
intrinsically, naturally glorious and beautiful. He doesn't have to put on anything. He doesn't have to add anything to himself. Let's, let's Just for a, a taste of this, let's go over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, and here it's talking about Jesus. Right, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Right, this is talking about Jesus Christ. And again, it's, it's hard to make these words, words out with the, the force, truth, that they're trying to communicate. Right? Jesus Christ, the perfect reflection, the invisible God, the, the glory that we cannot see, Radiating from God, Jesus Christ is that glory. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the, the firstborn over all creation. The one who is over it, will inherit it. It all belongs to him. And that's the ne- very next sentence. For by him all things were created. Jesus Christ is not just a creature. He's not a creature. He is the creator. He is the one who made it all. Heaven and earth. All things. Visible things. Things you can see and things we cannot see. Jesus made those things. All authorities, thrones and dominions and rulers, they were made by Him. They serve Him. They do His bidding. All things hold together through him. Verse 17, he was before all things. He was not made. He was not the first thing God created. He is not created. He is the one who is there creating. He holds all things together. He is the head of the body, the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. That he might be above all things, over all things, most beautiful, most glorious. That is who this priest is. And the, the next funny thing that how Aaron and his sons had to put on this glory, put on this beauty. But what did Christ do to become our mediator and high priest? He took off his glory. He put on human flesh. He humbled himself. Became as nothing. Became as a a servant of servants. This is a, a glorious truth. We can hardly wrap our minds around. The preeminent one became the servant of all. Washing dirty feet of his disciples and More than that, going to the cross, enduring shame, 
enduring all of those things for us. That, that is the true high priest. Do you, do you see glory in that? Christ is the high priest, a glorious high priest. There's no one else more glorious, no one else more beautiful. But yet he set those things aside, put on human flesh, and came to suffer in our place, to be our high priest. So in Aaron and his sons, in these beautiful garments, of the person of Jesus Christ, chosen by God, glorious and beautiful. And then in this, specifically in this breast piece, we have an illustration of the priestly work of Jesus Christ. So Aaron was to put on this breast piece. And it's interesting that we read the blessings of um, Jacob's sons. Here all the tribes of Israel. right? So that there was a jewel for each of these tribes. And there, the name of these tribes would have been etched on these jewels and placed upon this breast piece. And Aaron would have put this breast piece on. And the Israelites would have understood this priest is representing us, right? Our names are written upon him. What this priest is doing, he is doing for me. He is doing for my people on, on our behalf. So this teaches us about the priestly ministry of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ bears the names of his people. He represents and acts on behalf of of his people. The names of God's people are carried on the high priest to show that he is their representative before God. Everything this priest is doing, he is doing on their behalf. The sacrifices he is offering, the, the prayers he is praying, the incense he is offering, all of these things are being done on behalf of the people. In the same way, as high priest, Jesus Christ is the representative of his people. Acting on our behalf, in our name, before God the Father. The scriptures describe Christ's identification and representation of his people as a union with them. And in this union, there's a double transaction. Jesus Christ commits to pay the debt of his people receiving and enduring the wrath of God against their sins. And he also commits to live in perfect obedience and fulfillment of the law as a man, and then to bestow that righteousness upon his people to be their own. So again, look, look at our situation. We said a sinful person cannot approach a holy God, right? Right? We have a debt. We have two problems. We have a debt of sin before God we cannot pay. We have a debt of obedience to God, a perfect obedience that we cannot perform. And Christ comes in to do both of those things. He comes in to assume the debt of his bride and to pay that debt. 
with his own blood and to live in obedience. And we, we see this put so beautifully in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, look at those three simple words. For our sake. For our sake, Christ did what he did. He came as that priest. For our sake, he was made sin. For our sake, he said, give me the debt. Give me the load of sin. I will take it upon myself. I will take it to that cross and the wrath of God will be poured out on me and I will take it for their sake. We can't, we pay it for ourselves. We are in hell forever. Christ stepped in for our sake to be made sin for us. The second part, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ Perfect righteousness, perfect obedience to the law, perfect submission to his Father in all things. And that is counted to our behalf when we come to Christ in faith. All that Christ did, he did as a representative and a substitute for his people. His life, his obedience, his submission, his death his resurrection, and his ascension. It was all done with the names of his people engraved upon him. It was done for them in the sight of God so that a Christian can look honestly at his own sins. We can own them. We can confess them. And then we can look to Christ and say, there is no condemnation. Think about that. The gospel frees us to be honest, to own our sin. Say, I have sinned. To look those sins square in the face, to be honest about them and confess them, but yet know that in Christ there is no condemnation for them. And also, a Christian can look honestly at his own imperfect obedience, his continual failure, And yet look to Christ and say, there is my righteousness. There it is. Behold him there, the risen lamb. My perfect spotless righteousness. Because he's my priest. My name is graven on his hand. He is my high priest. The second part there in uh, Exodus 28, verse 29 and 30, it says that Aaron will bear their names into the holy place. Now think about that. That was, the holy place was off limits for every single person except one person once a year, the high priest. No one was allowed to go into the holy place. But when the high priest went into that holy place wearing this breast piece with the names of God's people on it, they were there. 
by the work of this high priest, they went in to the holy place. And so the same thing thing is true of Christ. The union between the people and the high priest was so complete that where the priest was bearing their names, it was as if the people were there as well. The Old Testament worshipers could not go into the holy place. But as they watched that high priest go in behind the veil, they knew that their names were on that high priest and they were there too. And now we have a true high priest, Jesus Christ. His people are so united to him and one with him that Paul can say in Galatians chapter 2, I have been crucified with Christ. I always found that Strange, what do you mean by that? Because I am, we are united with Christ. He is our Savior. He is our High Priest. His crucifixion was our crucifixion. His death was our death. And then again, Paul can say in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's turn over there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. It says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Christian has been made alive with Christ. When Christ was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead. When Christ ascended to heaven, we ascended with him. When he sat down at the right hand in the heavenly places, we've sat down with him. Christ is there now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, victorious. And you, his people, if you have faith in Christ, you are with him. We are seated with him. His victory is our victory. He's already won. He's already paid for our sins. He's conquered death. And so have we because we are one with him. Our names were right there, written upon him as he did all these things. It's, It's done. It's accomplished. We're just waiting to receive the fullness of it. Our union with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. Seated with him in the heavenly places. Look at Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8 verses 1 and 2. If I can get my page to turn here. Almost there. There we go. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 and 2. Now the point in what we are saying is this. Here's the whole point. We have such a high priest. One who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. A minister in the holy places. In the true tent that the Lord set up. 
not man. We have this true high priest. He's not sitting in a temple somewhere. He's sitting in heaven itself. One accomplished, having redeemed his people. God has chosen and made it plain to all people that his son, Jesus Christ, is the true and only priest through whom we can come to him and be saved. Those who ignore this and think they can meet God on their own terms will be like Korah and his bunch. They will experience the wrath of God. But those who come to Jesus Christ in faith, who come to him to be their high priest and representative before God, these may have confidence and peace. I want to close with one more passage from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Starting in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from, every, uh, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What does the high priesthood of Jesus mean for his people? Confidence, assurance. When you understand that it is not about me or my performance. I've already ruined that a long time ago. But it is about the work and the performance of another about Jesus Christ. It's not about my righteousness, but about His righteousness. It's not about me working off my sins. He has done the work. And He's already seated there. And my name is upon Him. When I, when I go to God, He will say, I know you. I know your name. It's written on my Son. He's already done everything. All provided, come in. Confidence, cleansing from an evil conscience. Again, we can own when Satan comes accusing. No, no, I didn't do that. I did it. And I did much more. But Christ has done more. His grace, His work has paid for it all. So verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We look to Christ. We rest in his work as our priest and learn to come confidently before God as one of his own. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would Take these words, Lord. Take these truths. Give us eyes to see them. Lord, impress them upon our hearts. Help us to look to Christ, to, to forget our own works, to forget everything, and to look to Christ. 
to know that he is our high priest, this glorious, beautiful son of God who is eternal and who made all things, humbled himself, was made flesh for our sake. And he did it for us. And I pray, Lord, that if there are any who have not turned to Christ, any who are trusting in themselves, their own righteousness, that they would turn from those things, that they would see that they cannot approach a holy God in their sin, but that you have provided one to come in between for their sake, a priest for their sake, that they would turn to Christ, call upon him and trust in him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.